This is a trigger warning from the legal department. Just reminding you that this shit is pretty heavy. And that's okay. Take a deep breath. Don't forget to hydrate. Wash your fucking hands. Wow. Okay. So today, you guys are like in for a treat. And that is just, that's half as much, uh, you know, communication asynchronously with you, friends. But also I'm, I'm trying to convince myself because this episode is being dropped on a Thursday. And it is not Tuesday or Friday, which are the two days that the episodes get dropped. And so there's, a, there's that. And also, adding insult to injury, this conversation was recorded yesterday. One of the things that came up at the end of the episode was the first parent channel listening party. So it's an inaugural party for a channel launch over in in Rev Genius. I know there's going to be a bunch of these listening parties. However, however, why the hell not, you know, do a really, really fast turnaround time. Anyway, so what you are about to hear is a conversation with one of the most impressive humans to cross my path in the past 12 months in the uh, while wearing the community designer strategist you know project lead whatever fill in the blanks but anyway Anya Domi is her name and funny enough so this is this is like a behind the scenes of of rev genius friends so anyone that's interested in hacking community or understanding the nature of community and growth i mean i I, there's never been i've never heard an episode about or a conversation of any kind about community that delivers as much value as this one does obviously i'm biased so you can do, do what you'd like with that information however Anya is a director of strategic partnerships for another high growth community. This is her day job. Um, It's a procurement community. And so for those that are unfamiliar with procurement of the word procurement, this is a buy-sell community as well. Also in the, the corporate space, so in a B2B capacity. When Anya hit my path, she was stepping up to take on a leadership spot in the Rev Genius community, also another uh, high growth revenue community. So I don't know many people that, you know, after spending all day doing a certain thing, want to do so in their in a volunteer capacity. That said, Anya's vision that was brought to me when we first met, there's never been anything like it. And so I think of the phrase, like it takes a village to raise a child. And How fun would it be to be able to inject that that philosophy into the place where we spend the majority of our wake waking hours? So at work, and I mean, I'm not gonna I, I don't I'm not gonna share any more about about the vision or the parent channel or the listen party launch like that's happening at four o'clock and it's one twenty four same day that I'm recording. And so, you know, no pressure. But anyway, I'm not going to say anything more about that. But what I will say about Anya and this conversation is that, well, one, it's her first, right? So anyone that's thinking about the value of production or like a production school or whether or not to invest in a Blue Yeti microphone, friends, this is a perfect example of the differences in the audio quality. So think of your buyers or any 
listener that you're trying to connect with in any way, shape, or form, right? How the audio sounds is, is important. That said, it's been a long time since I personally have taken on a learning curve as steep as podcasting and and as unforgiving as podcasting too. And so it's a lot of fun to kind of turn around and, and work with those that are, you know, maybe starting out their journey to figure out how to project a, a, an idea, a voice, a message, um, particularly those of inclusion and human and growth. Uh, but anyway, so Anya, 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 gosh, I don't, I don't even know how to describe this. Yeah, so Anya, it, it's also a deep exercise in creating like a psychologically safe space leading into a conversation. I think that's where I'm going to end the intro here. Um, specifically, and there will be more detail about this in the middle of the episode, but I'm going to start the podcast with an audio file that I sent to Anya the day before we recorded. And then the explanation of the context for the recording and how and why, like I, I applied what I learned as a, as a seller to control for nerves, I guess you could say, on buying teams. And I applied that into this conversation. And so again, the context will be in the middle. And then at the end, I'm going to add the second audio file that I shared in like a, a DM, LinkedIn DM banter, right? So before the conversation, but you can hear my like almost the mic drop moment just to kind of like, let's let's reframe this and, and, and think of it in a completely different and fun and exciting way. And it's funny that I've had taken the time in this episode to unravel this because these actions had real, I mean, years ago slipped into unconscious competence, right? So I had been doing them for so long that I didn't, it was habitual really. And so I didn't even realize I was, I was doing it. But so anyway, anybody that's interested in understanding the nature of psychological safety as that relates to conversations, as that relates to selling, as that relates to community growth and, and particularly like some of the advocacy work that we, we get into and talk about. Yeah, this is a good episode for you. Other than that, we talk about um, workplace policies and, you know, the, the, the massive need for reform. We talk about a shared human being that means a great deal to both of us, the, the, the fabulous Miss Elizabeth Gracie, which we're frankly introducing for the first time. We talk about immigration and our connections to Eastern Europe, Polish for Anya and Slovakia for, for me, respectively. And, and Anya's only been in this country for six years. And so, you know, in celebration of, of Immigrant Heritage Month, uh, you know, which is June. But uh, so, so she certainly gets more, more claim to the immigration card or whatever. But anyway, we talk about community. We talk about value. We talk about the dirty nature of the word vendor versus, you know, strategic partner. And so, you know, Anya, this is her day job, right? So she's the director of uh, strategic partnerships for, again, a high growth community. And we get into what maybe, so sometimes we point it out and sometimes we don't, but we go deep into how to hack community, which for those of you uh, that are unaware, this is a pretty, pretty cutting edge and trending topic right now. And so even just having an ability to banter 
or understand what kind of goes on behind the scenes, particularly with communities that are hoping to engage volunteers, which is a very, very, very delicate subject and wrought with, um, you know, there's a million ways that that could, could, you know, turn into a train wreck. And any one of those ways um, or things not being right will do. And anyway, I'm just going to shut up so that, like, you know, I can actually get this episode up and published in time to, you know, do uh, do a little promotions on the, on the Listen Party today. For the first time, it is my pleasure to introduce Anya Domian. Enjoy. Oh my gosh, there is something that I am absolutely dying to tell you. It has to do with the fabulous Miss Elizabeth Gracie. And but I'm I'm clearly I, I'm not doing very well because I, I'm giving this hint. However, I'm gonna save it for for the conversation tomorrow. But Anya, I cannot wait to, to talk tomorrow about all the things all the things and i certainly hope that you're not fucking stressed in the least at all like please um also is this your first podcast oh my gosh um because that would be awesome we get real real fast on revenue real so anya welcome welcome to the show man i'm excited thank you oh you're very welcome in the nature of transparent conversations um, I like giving people an insight into some of the prep work that goes into a podcast and, uh, specifically like what I didn't do to prepare for this actual call, which is like a, you know, a thing, but that said, our target audience on the show is the experienced tech seller. And so as we're speaking, like that's, that's the type of person I would p- pull up in your mind. Obviously, you know about the theme. And actually, before I continue, like, did you did you get a chance to listen to any of the episodes? Do you know what you've gotten yourself involved in, Anya? <laughs> uh, somewhat. Some. Uh, completely somewhat. I did some research, but not too much. I wanted to come in with fresh eyes and, you know, open mind. So I intentionally didn't listen to a lot of them. Perfect. I love it. You know, that's, it's so funny. I've had to unlearn a lot of stuff as is like after 10 plus years selling, right. Carrying a bag, I see. And one of the things was to, you know, prepare less for conversations with human beings, especially ones that maybe I hadn't met before because I found, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I like researching. I loved that part, looking at the work that someone had done and what they're writing about or speaking about. And, but at the same time, I want to limit any kind of confirmation biases that I create for myself, right. And how I interpret what I see. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's raw and I think it's brave to kind of come into this conversation. All right. You know, so screw, screw the banter about like, you know, preparation and, and who did it or didn't do what I am curious. Like, I think a fun place to start is to give our listeners an insight into you and I and how we came to be and kind of share like different perspectives of that. And so uh, with that said, why don't you go first? Like, what was your, what do you remember about the first time like this rogue agent such as myself uh, hit your path? And take as much, you know, go on as many tangents or details as you want. This is a judgment-free zone. Excellent. Um, Well, we crossed paths when I suggested 
started creating a safe haven for parents in uh, Ravinik. And I was presented with this fireball of a human um, who later on I found um, had a name and the name was Amy. Um, and we had an amazing conversation. We had actually two amazing conversations about how to take that project to the next level. Um, I mean, Amy, first and foremost, I think that you are literally the first person I have ever met in my entire life who exudes so much positive energy and so much, um, you're extremely contagious in the, in the best possible way. So uh, the first encounter with you, I left, I remember very vividly, I left with my mouth wide open and I thought to myself, how do I get this level of, get to this level of clarity and like an amazing, I, first and foremost, I think you're an incredible organizer. Um, so you should go into, I don't know, some nonprofit work for sure, because, um, because you're really good at it. So yeah, the first encounter, I was like, wow, this girl is a lot and a lot of amazing things. You know, it's, so I got to, I got to, do you remember when you, well, okay. So listeners, I'm going to just add some color and context to that first interaction. So um, this was Rev Genius Business and the way, I mean, there's a lot to talk about here, Anya, about why and how you and I came to be connected. Like, what was it about you that caused Jared to just, you know, do the handoff and do the intro? And so listeners, I was um, working pretty deeply around like training the trainers and creating an environment for the leaders that were stepping up within the community um, to, again, lead and bring value on a bigger scale uh, in the in the form of channel directors. And when Jared and I first got into like measuring events that were happening in or around the community, right? And this is not just Slack. This is a community lives everywhere. Um, one of the first questions that I was asking him, because he was talking about the onboarding process, right? And wants to make it better and stronger and more impactful. And so I, early on, I was like, well, Jared, like, what is your, what is your definition of a successful onboarding journey for new members? And he shared very clearly that it was someone that after 30 days raised their hand to volunteer at a, on a bigger level or deeper level. And there, there are two caveats to that. And one that I've actually thought a, a deeply about, like when we're talking about volunteers, right, or nonprofits or community organizing or you know, fill in the blanks. Church planting is another one that comes to mind. When you're talking about volunteers, it's it's a very different relationship. However, I was very cognizant of the time commitment required of channel directors, right? To to create and launch and scale or maintain, right? Depending on the vision of, of each human, um, in order to do that. And so when I think about value exchange, right, right. Price is only an issue in the absence of value, right. Time, 
is a, what time and energy is one of the most precious commodities that we each have access to. And so I, I was very, and then I was looking at RevLeague, right? That was like a full-time flipping job. And so how can we deliver? And so Jared and I really thought very, very, very deeply about this taxing aspect of participating in the community at a leadership level, like, like Anya, you were stepping up to do. And uh, so there was that piece of it. Right. And so part of our experience was, you know, I had learned a couple things about working with channel directors, starting at sales hacker, um, over the summer and then moving into, um, Rev Genius that that I was working on bringing and and in each interaction, even with with you and me, um, and Liz, I what and Bree, if memory serves, I was trying to suss out Anya how I could bring value to you by way of you know strategic banter, right? Which in in you know I, I'm not I don't pretend to impose my experience onto others, but like lack of strategy conversations on the job, um, or being like that, this is a fun aspect of, of working and learning to work bigger and differently. And so, um, but they're not as, you know, people aren't as warmly received all the time. And when trying to, you know, put themselves at a, a seat at the ta proverbial table, as they say. And so there was that, uh, and there's a, a, a bunch of other things, including production school, right. Learning how to do podcasts and talk and share stories and the production quality, all that shit. However, now back to your exquisiteness. When you, when Jared handed or introduced us, it was like, you know, this is another person that's interested in, in, you know, stepping up into a leadership position. And th these were the human beings that I was ended up working a lot with, right? Because Jared was focused on the jobs, um, which was linked to our, you know, revenue, right? So an important thing to keep the community going. And so I almost worked with the most exceptional people inside the community. And so I knew every time that he sent me a name or he's introduced me to a human, like something about this human was pegged as being exceptional. And so then, then we get on the call for the first time and well, actually I believe there was a group Slack thread, which I have this conversation. I saved backups, right? Cause our free Slack version, we would lose conversations. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the first Slack, the group? chat of like kind of, I was sussing out what your vision was and what you were looking to do. And yeah, I do. Um, I, so I've read this conversation a bunch of times since it's one of my favorites. And I, I saw very clearly a vision for, a a safe and fun place for parents of within the community again, we're in the throes of COVID, right? So yeah. balancing, and now mind you, one of the things that Jared had said when he first handed you off was like, Amy, you know, she doesn't have children, but she's an advocate for, um, you know, parenting and <laughs> work-life balance and, and what have you. And, and Anya, I'm very, in many ways, I'm pretty accustomed to being judged a little bit on that front. And so right off the bat, you were so open to like a, a human being that maybe couldn't technically relate um, and so that was a thing, but anyway, then I came to find out that you, you were like, you had only been a member of the community for like two days or three days, something crazy like that. And then you had reached out to Jared saying, I want to do this parents channel. And then we get on our call, our four-way call. It was Bree, I believe Liz joined for half or whatever. Um, Jared did not. 
And you proceeded to tell me the vision for the parents channel. And not only was it a safe and brilliant place for, for the community members and one that was a massive gap, right? So smart right off the bat, like, wow, this person can see green space and white space. And so like, hello, awesome. And then, then you started talking about your experience with motherhood, particularly as it relates to YouTube. And like you, you saw an aspect of what you could build or what you could design or the value you could bring. And it had to do with connecting children of the community with one another. And to quote you almost to the word, it was like, so as to not, you know, be so tempted to drop them in front of YouTube and like, so they can, you know, leave you alone so we can get some damn work done. And, and now I, I'm reminded how old, so son, right? You have a son, son or daughter. I'm so sorry. I forgot that. Yeah, I do. Son. Okay, good. And, and he was young, right? Like he's about to be two. Oh, uh, about to be two. Mm-hmm. So not even really, I, I was yeah. thinking there was like two more years mm-hmm. before YouTube becomes a thing. And so you were already pre-planning and planning the design of a value proposition that you yourself would not be able to experience for another two years. And so then ahead of the curve, right? So all of these things. And I remember you were saying in the Slack chat early on, you were like, you're so excited. Like, and, and, and wow, this conversation just went up like a hundred degrees, like in, in a sentence. And I laughed at that because I was like, Anya, I'm just matching your speed and your level of commitment. And so even having that mirrored back to you, um, was, was an interesting thing. And so anyway, I I guess I'm going to pause there and, and ask you for any thoughts or do you have any context or color to add to that from my perspective? Yeah, I mean, you rehashed the events quite well right there. The idea of me going into Rev Genius in the first place was to find a community where I can not only learn from, uh, but also just compare notes and honestly go in and say, I had a rough day. I am not capable of giving my work 100% and I'm not capable of giving my kid 100% of myself. And that creates a lot of, uh, that creates a lot of tension um, within myself. So that was the idea behind me joining Rev Genius. Uh, Then I went through the channel list. I saw there's a safe space for women to uh, talk about the struggles. Uh, There's a place of, you know, I think there is a channel for, right, touching on diversity and inclusion. Yep. Like there is a lot of places where you can connect with like-minded people, but there was nothing around parenthood. Nothing. Which, You're right. In my opinion, in the, in the times of pandemic, is, uh, was just absolutely terrible. That's one of those issues that you kind of cannot resolve, right? So that's why the suggestion to Jared. And I think that would have gone nowhere had it been for, for you, Amy, uh, because you, I mean, you were so enthusiastic. You thought that this was an amazing idea. And I thought to myself, wow, maybe it is. Maybe this community is right for me because they are listening to me. And um, yeah, they see the value. Um, so 
that yeah. was that was refreshing that was absolutely refreshing and uh you set some fire in me uh that made me think that you know we have to take it to the next level i mean our conversation went all places which was which was even better we talked <laughs> i remember <laughs> i got really angry because we started talking about the policy you know maternity leave and um how the how the system is treating parents in the in America. Um, so I, I think that's how we wrapped up our conversation with this fiery, you know, fiery conclusion. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, oh my gosh, Anya. So, and then we we had the um, Eastern Europe connection too, uh, which which we'll, I'll, I'll bring <laughs> right. I'll bring up as well because I really want to dig into that one. Okay, so. So here's you're spot on in that there was a gap here, but when you're working with, so Rev Genius, there wasn't like a $20 million, like, you know, seed round or a series A round that had just been raised where we had tons of capital. And so we had to make very intentional decisions about where to invest those resources. Um, Mm -hmm. But more importantly, just the nature of the way that the the community had grown pretty organically. When you look at some of the trigger events that caused particular channels um, to have like higher degrees of engagement, which is a function of value. Obviously the, the leader, the volunteer leader at the realm of each channel was a massive part of that among a, a bunch of other factors. And I mentioned that because you know, there's lots of things that we could do or could have done or are still being done, I'm sure, inside the community. However, you got to make these choices about like investments, like I said, investments of time. And more importantly, in the absence of a strong, committed volunteer leader who's stepping up, to both experiment and design like, and, and so there, again, there's implications on that volunteer thing. And I want to be very sensitive around that because it it is so taxing. Um, However, there would be no parent channel without Anya. And, Hmm. and so it's like with each person that saw a, a gap or a white space and was like you use the words I suggested to Jared, I like about a parent's channel, but I know that Jared sends you to me because you were, you were a little bit stronger on the suggestion, not in the way of like complaining, like, well, where is this? Why isn't it here? Or someone should do this. It's, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I want to do this. Yeah. And that is a massive distinction, right? So it's, it's not just about like seeing the problems or seeing the gaps and again, talking about it in an empty or um, less productive way. Then of course, I, you know what, let me, let me handle this friends. Like, let's, let's talk mm-hmm. about this. And, and I, you know what, I, I respect that greatly because in many ways I'm that way. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it right. And so that was, that was a massive thing, but you're, you know, if, if I'm being honest with myself and Jared, we had not t- ever talked about a parent channel once that had not come up in one conversation. Shockingly, neither of us were parents, right? So there's that. That's exactly it, right. That's exactly and, right. And so it was a massive, it was also a massive blind spot of ours. And to Jared's credit as a, as a leader, being able to, um, you know, recognize that. Although even at the beginning, it was, do you remember it was, it was very like, uh, it, 
the interpretation that it was like a spinoff of a woman's group as though like parents yeah. was not yeah. a, an equal gender thing, you know? So I was, I was happy to be able to neutralize that one quickly. I am not expecting non-parents, non-guardians, uh, people who have no kids in their, cha- in, the, in their care to understand, to see that there is a need. Absolutely not. When I came to Jared with an idea of a of a parent uh, of a parent uh, led group, his reaction was exactly what I was looking for. He said, "Yes, we don't have that. Yes, we need that," and that's all he had to do. And and, and to be perfectly honest, um, I, you know, that's exactly what I was looking for. That was the trigger. Um, so well, I, I appreciate Anya- that, and I think that that was the right move. Anya, you were exactly what Jared was looking for. Like his biggest, like I remember (laughs) when we got into like some of the business processes that we wanted to tighten up, whether it was the renewals or like all, think of all the um, revenue processes that go into starting a company. And the onboarding one was one of Jared's top priorities, right? Making it better, making onboarding more customized and human and, but he was so explicitly clear on what a successful onboarding program was. Again, it's that person that sees it, what's happening here, or at least what it could be, or that they can bring value and raises their hand. And then to find out that you did so in like three damn days, like like Slack is a thing, right? And you go in, if you don't have a lot of experience with Slack, you go into RevGenius and it's it can be very, there's a lot of stuff. And also since it was the free account, like we... There, we like there wasn't a lot of longevity in a lot of the channels. And so you're kind of coming into something in the very middle. Anyway, if Jared was what you were looking for, you were what he was looking for times mm-hmm. 10. And I was, it was one of my favorite aspects of the way that Jared and I were operating together in like a divide and conquer way because working with the use and like that, that's, this is my dream. This is my favorite part. This was and is and continues to be like leadership um, communities and or I don't want to say train the trainer, but just work with that certain set of individuals that were maybe a couple, a couple uh, breadcrumbs further along on their journey to, you know, make an impact. And so obviously you check that bill. Okay. So now I'm, let's, do you mind if I pivot us? Well, actually, Remember the thing that I messaged you about, about how I'm like, I'm dying to tell you this, but I'm going to say yes. It. Yes. And that was, I, I wanted to ask you first thing, and then it slipped my mind, bring it. Okay. So listeners, this is Anya's first podcast and, and I'm I, Anya, give me a second here to connect, connect the dots because creating psychological safety and strong conversations for people that, you know, I don't know, are aspired to have them hopefully during discovery periods. And then some, there's a couple of things that I learned while selling that I used in preparation for our conversation, Anya, specifically a touch point the day before, especially considering that we had, um, 
rescheduled once already. Right. And which is, I totally was a non-issue and like, it didn't, but I'm that, that kind of thing. Like when I had a discovery call or a, 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 a call that I was excited about, and I w- am excited about this conversation to deliver and create something of, of high value for, for our um, listeners. But that said, I, when, when a meeting pushes, right. Meetings don't cancel, right. They reschedule. So when a meeting pushes, like I am then reminded to do the things that I used to do to create a calmer space in the person's mind leading into the conversation. Mm -hmm. That said, that said, three days before you and I were set to record the first time, which is Monday, so and it's Wednesday, so it's like two days ago. So at the end of last week, I got a text message from Elizabeth Gracie. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I wish I pulled it up. I didn't hold on. Do do do. If I I'll, may or may not inject some silly weight music here, um, because I didn't prepare and pull it up. Mercy, I'm so sorry, Liz. Where are you? Um, okay, here we go. <sighs> oh, whatever, it's not coming up. I, it's <laughs> since we're pulling from the MiFi, everything's going pretty slowly. But it says something to the effect of, "Thank you." so much for injecting Anya into my life. And it was something to the effect of leaving Anya. Like when I went on to work on the podcast, really focus on the podcast. It was, it was a sincere and beautiful thank you because, and she proceeded to share that there were like, that you had said something to her. All right. It just came up. Um, that you had said something to her. Oh, thank you for bringing Anya domain to me. I've never met such an incredible person. She tells me such nice things that I, (laughs) that I actually want to cry. Quite beautiful. Really? Now, listeners, Liz, is there, (laughs) there are two paid employees at Rev Genius. Liz is one of them. She's a 24 year old woman. She actually spent time in the revenue collective universe. And then there's a great backstory between her and Jared. Um, and when I was brought closer into the business operations fold, the, one of the first things that Jared asked me to do was to work with Liz, right? Mentor Liz to, um, and eventually evolved into almost like a, like do the weekly manager conversations and pick projects and teach people how to think. And so I spent a lot of time with Liz. And when I decided to focus on the podcast, like I, but I also knew that I was leaving the forest greener than I found it. Like here I had been pouring myself into this person that in some ways was so challenging to mentor and coach because, but also at the same time, she reminded me of so much of me at that age. And so like the learning and growing that I did in this relationship that was spanned over the course of months, months. Anyway, so Liz, here I had been pouring myself into Liz on how to do all the things that I was describing, right? Show up with a certain amount of energy, understand and empathize the different, like the experience of volunteers and preparation. Like Anya, I remember one of the things that we um, put it in as a control during you and I, when we were designing and the, the parent channel together, 
and the launch plan really was that it's going to take 30 days of pre-work before the launch so that we can kind of secure or, or control for a successful launch, right? Because how you start and how you finish is mm-hmm. massively important. And so even all of the intentional design aspects into the prep work leading into a channel launch, here's Liz, well, she and I have been working together. And so but I also knew that there was going to be a gap when I walked away in, ah, in Liz's professional universe as it relates to women and strong women. And, but I knew in a way that when I was connecting you and Liz and Liz, I like kind of filling her in on maybe some of the conversations that you and I had had while she was working on, you know, event stuff or other stuff, I I knew that she would also be able to represent me and our work together for you. And then to get this text from this human being that I care so deeply about. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, this is amazing. Thank you. I um, have absolutely. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I, I did. I did nothing. I said um, nothing but the truth about what she's doing and how valuable of a, of a person she is. Um, she's made the process really enjoyable. Um, she's always, you know, her, her main question is, how can I make your life easier? What can I do for you? And I think this is the core value that, that the community is bringing to its members, right? Um, it's always give, give, give without asking for much in return. Um, so, yeah. Well, you I, did something. Liz, you did something. I, she was on the verge of tears. <laughs> and she, like, as as someone that <laughs> spoke about on the last episode, my journey with, like, you know, being a, a pretty sizable asshole um, at certain stages of my life, particularly while I was younger, right? So I, I describe it as being in <laughs> recovery, right? I'm a recovering asshole. And so, but anyway, so Liz, you she's, she's tough. Right. And so she doesn't, she's not mushy in a sense. And so to get these texts from Liz and I've never gotten these texts from Liz, I, there was a version of it with Brie when she connected with Brie, the two of them for the first time. Um, but she's never said anything like this out of all the humans that we work with. So clearly you did something. So you could go ahead and receive that compliment and own it. Um, but I'm also like, you know, blushing with, with pride about, you know, knowing how she showed up in, in your conversations together. Yeah. And, you know, if I had had maybe just a, a teeny tiny impact on that, you know, knowing that, that Liz can bring that sort of understanding of how to show up without agenda, Absolutely. without a, you know, and so like that is also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, it makes yeah. me feel good too. So thank you. Yeah. And okay. I'll give you a quick insight, a, a okay. teeny little bit. I yeah, sure. Just, um, that's, exactly, uh, that's exactly what I said to her. She is beyond her years and her experience and the way that she handles herself and talks to people. And, and, um, and that's, that's kind of part of what, what I said. 
It's so funny. She had to, I used to say, um, I'm not allowed to say it anymore, but like, and she asked me not to, cause I was, I used to say, she's a kid. Like she's a kid. Like she, okay. Cause it was young. Like, and she, since she is so mature, yeah. I underestimate, I thought she was older for the first like month of us yeah. working together. And in some of the feedback yeah. conversations, which were early on, like I was, I, one of the things that I do not tolerate is, um, like if, if there's not a, if a person is not coachable, that, you know what, that's, it is what it is. And I'm certainly not going to work harder in a relationship, especially like an, a volunteer capacity than the other person is willing to work. And so I was pretty direct, but again, now I'm talking to the young version of myself when I say this, which is where the irony and like the, <laughs> the comical joking of the universe comes into play. But I was pretty, <laughs> there was one, there was one conversation in particular, and I it had to do with like, some things are not up for debate, right? When I'm, when, when I'm put tossing out to do something, because I know that the learning and the explanation that comes from the experience is on the back end. And when I give too much context at the front end, it you lose some of the, when, when someone experiences something for the first time, they get to then assign meaning to it themselves. And so when there's someone others, someone else's version of what that meaning is or should be, it like it, it, it lessens the connection to the, to the program, to the experience. And so, in the context with Liz in particular, there had been one or two things where the trust should have been there in that she had already done two exercises where she saw the output of my process in that exceptional results came where they did not live prior to that. And so, but anyway, this is a long winded way of saying I, I made her cry inadvertently, obviously. Um, it was not intentional. This is, I do not aspire to this. And she told me, but not in a bad way. It was like a gut check on how important coachability is. And I then found out how old she was. And I was rid, I don't want to say riddled with guilt, but if I had known that prior to that, that conversation that I was referring to necessary, but I would have been a little bit softer. I guess you could say in my delivery and you know, whatever we've, we've, she and I have spoken deeply about this one and on all fronts. And I'm actually kind of glad it's coming into like the public purview. But again, when, when someone is so mature like that and shows up well beyond her, her years, I, I, um, I assumed an age function there that, that then caused me to choose, uh, like a, how to show up in a conversation in a way that, you know, I would not have chosen had I not made any assumptions about that. So, you know, here's to making mistakes. Yeah. Okay. And the, yeah. And I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So two, two quick conversation, I guess, well, real quick, when, when we were talking about this, you said that you were getting angry in one of the early conversations about the current state of work 
and parent policies in our workplaces. And yeah. it turned into like a policy, like, well, let's, let's at some point in the future, let's take on mm-hmm. some policy work to do what we can do about some of those laws or some of those mm-hmm. court cases. And I, I'm smiling, remembering it, Anya, because it, I, I, I came from DC. I went to school in DC. I was going to be in politics and working at a think tank and working on policy work from a lobbying perspective that, that was something that was, it's like now the path that, that I didn't take, but also I've done a tremendous amount of work on like policy work, even, um, while at Thomson Reuters, like we I was, I was at the reins of, uh, you know, the court data, um, which is, yeah. Anyway, it puts you in a good position, especially when your data is better than the government's data about their own damn laws, which is a, a different conversation. Anyway, I had never had one person in any sales community work that I was doing talking about policy work as a possible thing to take on together, like at some point in the future. And so I was both empathizing with the anger that you felt and expressed as an immigrant, right? That, that came to this country expecting cer- certain things or hoping for certain things. And then to see the shit state of our parental leave policies and, or, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever I, it, it really, you were, you were speaking to my heart on so many levels, including one having come to terms with my own anger, right. And figuring out what that means that men are allowed to be angry and women are not, um, and, or like how it's maybe not the most productive emotion it's helpful. Right. And I think of Rebecca Tracer's, um, book on the transformative power of, you know, female anger. It's like a, a look at history and, and activism and really how effective it's been in the past, but that nobody talks about, but all that said, it's, it's not the best choice when it comes to, you know, bridging divides and, you know, having meaningful conversations with policymakers that are then able to, you know, Im- impact change. But anyway, so that's it. I was really feeling that, but also I was highly excited to meet a human that was one also really tied to their, uh, you know, Eastern European roots, right? Like myself, not as close. I'm <laughs> second generation, but uh, actually third, I think. Well, second, uh, anyway, it depends on what, whatever. But, and then to find out that you were also on top of that, um, you know, thinking about change on the macro level as it relates to policy and advocacy work. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I was like dying. Okay. So that said, what do you want to, I, I want to talk about our roots in Eastern Europe and how that relates to how we approach mm-hmm. our work in the United States. Um, and I also want to hear more about your vision for the parents channel where, where you and Liz have gotten it to and where it's at and talk about that. I want to talk. And then the last thing I also want to talk about is the, maybe a little bit more on the nerves of like preliminarily coming onto a podcast for the first time. And then like that, that subtle psychologically safe zone that we created last night. Um, and so, but dealer's choice, like out of all those things, where, what would you like to speak of next? Including yeah, something that I didn't even talk. mention. Let's talk roots. Um, apparently June is immigrant heritage mom. Yeah. I didn't know that. Me either. I'm so thank glad. Thank you for tagging me. <laughs> thank you for tagging me. Uh, that's how I found out. Um, yes. Yes. Eastern Europe, uh, born and raised in Poland, 
I moved to the U.S. in 2013, so I consider myself still fresh off the boat, um, a first generation. I do have some ties to the U.S., so so it's not like I came in, you know, uh, blind. Mm, but I think immigrants bringing something really special to the mix. A, we are hungry. B, um, it's a it's a fresh perspective. It's a completely different culture. Um, and that ties nicely into the conversation about, you know, what about the policy, the anger about the policies, because I don't know, I, I, I moved to the States kind of being a little oblivious and, you know, wide eyed, uh, hoping for the best. Uh, but as my life progressed and my professional career developed, I realized that from the beginning until the end, we are somewhat all by ourselves. And um, I think that's why the idea behind community and, you know, all these new think tanks uh, popping up is so incredibly valuable because people do need support. Um, I didn't know anything about policy until I got pregnant. Then I started looking up and the first thing that absolutely broke my heart and completely made me lose my mind was that the American law says that there are no protections, absolutely zero protections for, for a pregnant person. And that was the first step in my discovery of all the other nastiness. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate because I was pregnant in New York State, so we had some type of support, but unless your company provides you with, um, you know, with some type of maternity leave, my company back then um, did very little in that regard. Um, it's, it's terrible. It's awful. You are, you know, you're taking on another job. Let's be honest, being a parent is a full-time job um, and you have no one backing you in it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Oh yeah. Um, listeners, I, I envy Anya a little bit that is, is domain. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Is that, that's your married name? It's or? Domian. It's Domian. Domian. Okay. No, and it's my, it's my family name. Yeah. It is your family name. Okay. Well, so uh, mine, mine happens to look a little bit more Eastern European with the, can I buy a vowel please? So I'm like a little jealous there, but <laughs> my, my grandparents, um, my, my grandfather in particular. So he came to this country through Canada, maybe a little bit of a question mark of like the legality, but there was, um, he was first generation and my grandparents I think over the course, so that first of all, I was always surrounded by the culture because their business, they had a bunch of businesses. My grandfather, um, uh, factory, like some plastic injection molding factory. Like he, he tried a bunch of entrepreneurial ventures, but the one that was in full swing when I was old enough to be aware of what was happening specifically, can I make five cents a little, a bag and go buy a toy that I want when I help in the, in the shop. But it was, it was a, an import, like they sold Eastern European goods really. And so they were importing a lot of stuff and then working through, um, ethnic communities. And this is, so we're Slovak, but it was, it was pull. I mean, it was just a, uh, across the board, I would say Eastern Europe was 
an equal opportunity um, stuff. And so anyway, my grandparents on top of that business, my grandparents were, I, I think they helped over 500 humans escape um, communism in, and starting with bringing um, a woman over and my grandfather would help them find work as a, like a home health aide <laughs> off the books. Right. So there was, there was nothing mm-hmm. legal about this. So let's be serious about that, but he would help them. He would connect them with a senior um, or uh, an elderly couple. And it was like a win-win across the board. And so then they, they had a place to live. They had income. They had um, were connected through my grandfather's community. And so they would come to the house a lot. And I remember working on English, right? So teaching the language, teaching how to go do grocery shopping, like just deep. And I, but there was one fair, it was a world fair that we were doing in Florida. And I like hopped on the boat, right. To skip school and go like learn in the world of adults with my grandparents. And so, um, Maria was, she came on this trip with us and she, I remember like I learned most about Slovak, right. Through my time with Maria. Anyway, both of my grandparents are deceased. And so I think about this legacy now that they've created, but more importantly, like when my grandmother passed, she was like a 72 year old woman, the line for the wake was, was multi-hour, like it wrapped around the building of the funeral home. So when I think about impact and the value of the perspective of an immigrant and the work ethic and the, I mean, just across the board, like I, I respect it. I respect that so damn much. And it's, it, it's kind of a little bit sad sometimes to think about how elitist let's call them native nativist Americans can be to the conversation around immigration. Dare I say cages? Yeah. Um, and that's wrong, right? That is absolutely wrong. More importantly, it tends to be paired with this, this, almost like an entitlement attitude or like, this is the greatest country in the world without having ever gone to one other country. And I'm not, it's not a dig, right? But like, we've got to, we're on an, we're not in Europe, right? It's not like I can hop on a train and go to 10 other countries in the course of a day, you know? So, but at the same time, it's very difficult to have an open mind to things that we can learn outside of our country when, when we think that ours is the best, number one. And number two, when you actually look at the numbers around like work and parental policies, we are so far from the best. And I think about the economic index yeah. of you know gender equality and how we're 200 and some odd years away. But like the United States is not very high on the list of, of an equal and equitable and inclusive society in first worlds, right? Pretty far down on the list comparatively. And in fact, if you look at the trend lines, we're, we're actually moving backwards, the United States. And so all of the, that's, you know, 10 X more severe of what I just described about this, like entitlement or just not understanding the numbers or the impact of, are we the greatest country in the world? Like, and, and what does that mean? (laughs) And also like, well, let's talk about that. Uh, but anyway, so that said, you're the opposite of all these things. And then when you talk about, I read p- parental policies and then I started doing more research and I looked and even you saying like, oh, starting out in New York state, I was fortunate because, but then it broke your heart. And I got news for you. Like, I yeah. don't have a kid, but the parental leaves, they break my heart too. Especially like the gender stuff too. 
there, there are certain tactics that keep existing power structures in place to in, in mind, like it's reducing access to economic participation. And the other is the access to the legal system. And so I think of forced mediation clauses, right. That really harm predominantly women or, um, groups that are, you know, the, not white men, uh, same thing with these policies that, that are missing, right? I think we can look at the, the gender dynamics uh, in our governing bodies, particularly those that write and elect law into place or judges even for that matter. And these are all things that are perpetuating the heartbreak. And then I'd, I'll even take it a step further. Look at all the women that have dropped out of the workforce this past year, right? Where I think it's a Harvard Business Review was calling it a crisis and that we're, we're back at, to the levels where we were at in the late 80s, early 90s, which breaks my heart. Yeah. It and some, so what do we do about four it? Four and a half million. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent and extremely... Uh, extremely open question. Well, so I think it was also a toss up because you, my friend, are doing something about it, including on the micro level. Yeah, on but very micro level. But it's it's got to start somewhere. Number one and number two, Anya, learning how to come and be on. Like we popped your cherry on the first podcast. In fact, I'm excited to talk about the Blue Yeti microphone after this conversation and all the wonderful things that comes with this $129 investment into telling is sharing a story and doing so in a way that drives community and progress and change. And so anyway, like I, you are doing things and again, starting at a little level and I'm honored that, you know, Rev Gen that I and or Rev Genius was able or is able to be a part of that. And I'm excited to see what, what comes. And I would encourage anyone that's listening that is not already a member of, of revenue uh, or Rev Genius, which is just, is that even a thing? Um, but just, just to keep an eye on Anya and the Parents Channel and what's to come. And so Anya, like, do you have, do you want to give our listeners a quick blurb of where you and Liz are at on the development of the channel and where your vision and where you want to take it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are running our first event tomorrow. So um, join us. It's going to be a very informal happy hour uh, to get to know each other and to kind of open the line of communication and get to know each other on a, a little bit of a deeper level. Um, I think the being a parent is kind of, you know, in the, in the background of everything we do. That's why people just take everything for granted. And no one's spending too much time thinking how they have to juggle these two jobs that they have. Uh, it has to come naturally. You you can't really spend too much time thinking about it. Um, so tomorrow, my hope for for us as parents and Rev Genius is to kind of you know a little be a little bit more mindful um, of where we are and how to uh, kind of deal with the stresses of everyday life and you know and and actually just pat ourselves on the back and say hey you're doing an amazing job right you are hitting your numbers uh you are in a high stress job i mean these are all uh revenue generating folks so i think that adds a spin to parenthood for sure and no one's cutting you any slack you have the same you have the same numbers and the same goals to hit as everyone else um 
So I really look forward to, to that. And it's an open forum. Everyone is welcome to talk about what they're using to help their, their um, sanity. Because uh, at this point, it really is just keeping... Don't, don't go saying don't murder anybody smoke. like remember yeah, to yeah. put food and you know like just just get the basics done get through the rest right. of the school year and you know just go easy on yourselves and one another big time I love that I love that you guys decided to go with that right. like a an informal type of conversation event as opposed to a webinar for your first that's interesting that's very interesting to me yeah. good for you guys yeah yeah, I think the value is in the and the wisdom of the crowd. Um, so hopefully everyone will pitch in and, and share their uh, experiences. I mean, we have parents with grown-up children who are currently in college or out of college. There are people with newborns, people with toddlers. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be my, my hopes for this channel. My hope for this channel is to create create a village. Yay. And by the way, to our uh, non-parent friends that are listening, while I don't have children, I looked at the hardness of the decisions of, of my fellow women specifically this past year. And mm-hmm. I, if, if there was something that was impeding my child's education, I, my ass would have been out of the workforce too. And I think of how like yeah. that breaks my heart. And so, but anyway, I spent a lot of time um, showing up for friends that had kids this year that were trying to balance working and, and whatever. And, and so this is a different conversation and not about me, but I think one of the beautiful things Anya about this channel is that it is so inclusive and I don't know. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. And actually what, what time is this event tomorrow? It is at four. four. We're making it. We're making it approachable. You know, not not going into um, dinner time. Yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you for that. I don't. I don't even have kids, and I, I find a, myself not clicking on anything past six thirty, just because it's just I'm I'm done for the day. Um, but you know, it's funny because I'm going to publish this episode tomorrow. Normally, I will. I do them on Tuesdays and thir- and Fridays. But if you've got your first event tomorrow, this, this is going live tomorrow. So, um, that that's going to be a thing. And then, well, so do you have a hard stop right now? I do. I do. I mean, not a hard stop, but I, how many minutes do I have left? Uh, Let's do 15 extra. Okay. 15. All right. I'm going to set the timer. Okay. So now I want to talk about, it's funny because you mentioned about interacting as a parent and a professional throughout your entire journey as or your kid's journey through, you know, adolescence and then college and beyond something I mentioned, because I owe you an introduction with my friend, um, Sylvia, who is the CEO of a procurement group, which is also in legal, right? So the buying legal counsel, and she knows everybody. But anyway, she and I, so Anya listeners works, the tech that that Anya represents has to do with procurement, which we can come back to in a second, Anya. But when you and I first met, I, I was like, do you know Sylvia? So Sylvia and I, our circles overlapped right when I was working in the legal sector, 
but we really became our, we had our first human interaction when Sylvia was thinking about choices for college and her, I think, 16 year old son at that point. And he was very, very, very interested in American university, which was my alma mater. And so I, I'm chuckling because, you know, obviously I, I'm glad to mention Sylvia and buying legal counsel, but I'm also excited to connect you both with the knowledge that she and I first connected on you know, how to show up for one another in a parent, non-parent capacity, but also, you know, over the love that we have for our chill, our community's children, even though they're not necessarily, you know, biological. And so anyway, all that is being said, like that, that intro is coming in. I'm excited, but like, what's going on with work? Like what's the, yeah, I'm chuckling to myself because I don't even know what you do at the job. Like wait, i I'm trying to remember, but I don't remember. So like, what, what is it? What's the name of the company? I think it's procurement foundry or something like that. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Procurement foundry. And it also, uh, it's also a community for procurement yeah. practitioners. So anyone who's purchasing or sourcing, uh, for their organizations is, uh, welcome to be a part of this group. Uh, work is going great. We are getting busier and busier as we as we speak, so it's a really fun ride. I joined them in December, and ever since, I mean, yeah, we have some amazing people on board. It's a great team with tons of experience and tons of tons of creative ideas. Uh, and I am responsible for uh, building our partnerships, our industry partnerships. So I am the one speaking with solution providers on how to add further value to the mix. What kind of providers? Solution providers, vendors, in other words. Oh, vendors is a dirty word. These are, these are strategic partners it is. that have budgets to in, where, invest in situations that are win-win, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, um, love that. Love that. <laughs> it's good. I, I have many years perfecting that one in, in Thomson Reuters days. Um, but anyway, and at the same time, like vendors, right. Showing up and an event that you sponsor and doing some kind of canned demo like that, that brings zero value to anyone. And you're, you're not helping us, you know, reduce the stigma of, of the, you know, the value of that, um, partnership relationship. Okay. Absolutely. So absolutely. That's amazing. I love that you said that you have smart colleagues, because I think this is something that I'm, it's, it's something Andy Paul started and mentioned and put on my radar is that there's a lot of new research that's coming out about this, like returning to work after COVID and the impacts on trust that have to do with in, in a peer to peer context, like those that choose to come back versus those that choose not to. And so the ones that came back or, and so anyway, it's, it's a thing that I think that we're going to have to figure out how to overcome. However, starting out with uh, the depth of relationships with peers like that, so much so where you you trust the skill and the competency and the like the team as a collective is a massive statement. And frankly, like in in startup world, right? I'm not sure how big Procurement Foundry is yet, um, or if even they're they're venture funded, or you know, so any of the drama that comes with you know, be a unicorn, grow, 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 or else you know, 
<laughs> you know, leave the dead bodies mm -hmm. where they, where they fall, because we don't even have time to, you know, nurture and figure out why they're dead. Um, but anyway, so that said to hear you say that about your, your peers is, a it's, it makes my heart feel really good. And I'm excited that you are operating in a space now that fosters that level of relationship between colleagues. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I've been, um, I worked with startups. I worked with larger corporations and, um, it's extremely important to be surrounded by people who are a receptive to your idea, uh, but also bring something valuable to the table. Otherwise it just doesn't work. I, I, I've been fortunate to, um, to, you know, to being surrounded by really smart, smart people. And Procurement Foundry is just that. We, we really have an amazing team and I can't be prouder to be a part of this, uh, this endeavor. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm chuckling to myself now, realizing the extra point of connection that you and Liz have of working with um, vendor partnerships or, you know, just partners in general. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm chuckling about that. And so I'm curious, how big is the community now? What's the growth trajectory been like? What, what are some of the learnings that you have arrived at aha moments about community and about those relationships that are forming and growing and, or the skills that are being cultivated through the relationships or through the crowdsourcing? Like what, what have you learned on the community front? Mm -hmm. um, the community is currently over 5,000 people and we are on track to uh, top 8,000 by end of this year. So it's growing fast, it's growing fast. And think about it, it's a very specific, um, Sort of very specific expertise that we are going after. Um, so it is a it is a large group, um, and I mean the one thing that is out there and it's very clear to us that you can't really achieve anything without uh, without providing value, right? This is how you should be selling, um, and that's what our industry partners are coming back to us saying that we are a, an amazing strategic partner for them because we allow them to bring in their expertise front and center. You can post on LinkedIn all day. You can you know, release hundreds of webinars, blast, blast everyone's inboxes with uh, demos and whatnot. That's probably gonna get you uh, absolutely nowhere. But if you find, uh, if you find a, an audience um, who trusts you, an audience who, you know, um, is open to learning, uh, you can really achieve big things. Yeah. Find them like, like they, uh, they, when you create a space where those things happen organically, it's amazing how, how they find mm -hmm. you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how that happens? Um, and yeah, no, so I know. I know. I'm chuckling about the, you know, you're not going to get any results by not delivering value. It's, well, I, I would add just one slight caveat. You'll get like a maybe 3% return, like return. Um, and maybe yeah. your success metrics, um, on the lead gen side of things are totally satisfied with the number of signups. Um, I know your SCRs don't love it friends. If this is, if this is you, because there's, that doesn't even confirm that, 
uh, this individual actually attended said webinar. So an MQL versus an SQL. And so right. did they stay the whole time. And so, but this, it comes back to the, the success metrics and the way that we are um, measuring value and interpret defining value and measuring it. And so I think a lot of the empty effort is a, is a function of, you know, poor design or let's call it maybe a late majority on, if I think of the bell curve of innovation, these are the people that are laggards, I think is the final phase, right? So just laggards on just kind of moving to the next normal. Um, but anyway, so you'll get the 3%. However, who says it can't be better? And God knows there's a lot of um, research and results with communities like Rev Genius and Procurement Foundry that are demonstrating a better way forward together, a more inclusive way forward together, and a more collaborative arriving at what value is, how it's created, how it's delivered, how it's maintained. And yeah, that certainly helps when you have really strong partners involved in the conversation. So I bet uh, I bet your peers are thankful to have you on the team too, Anya. Uh, I think so. I feel appreciated, which is, to me, it's important. Um, you can, you know, and I think it's true for a lot of the salespeople. You can say you don't, uh, you don't like the praise, but yeah, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, being appreciated is extremely important, right? You bring in value and you want to be recognized for it. And uh, Again, I can I can talk about that all day, but um, I'm just very fortunate to be where I am right now. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I um I could talk about that all day too. Okay, so we got I so I'm there are two questions the that I want to ask. The last one is the same one that I ask at the end of every episode, which is you know one piece of advice for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations. But before I ask that one, in our four minutes left, what is the hardest? What is the most uncomfortable conversation or type of conversation that you've had to have as a professional or community builder or leader, I guess you could say? Like what, what's the conversation that kept you up at night or, you know, whatever, fill in the blanks. Wow. That's a loaded question, Amy. That's a very loaded question. <laughs> this conversation, you know, they pop up. <laughs> uh, and I think that, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said something, uh, something else than, than I'm going to say now. Uh, but I think, huh, you really caught me off guard right here. Mm, I turned it, it up a notch. Well, only, only three minutes left. So, you know, you we did. can endure a little discomfort. <laughs> what is the most uncomfortable conversation? I've had with a buyer, with a prospect, with a boss, with a hiring manager, with a spouse, with a peer. I mean, any, anyone as a volunteer in a community, like whatever. Right. I'm, I'm in all honesty, I'm extremely um, conflict averse. I, I, in my life in general, I, try to stay away from uh, uncomfortable situations, which is a terrible tactic, terrible. Um, but I think, I think the most uncomfortable situation that I can recall as of right now is 
kind of coming from a very personal level. I'm, I'm a very empathetic person. And I remember having done a sale with a very lean startup who really, who literally pulled in like family members to pitch in um, to do something with me. And uh, it was the beginning of my career at that company. So I was, I was really hungry for making my goal and I was being pushed to do it. And that was the most unsuccessful campaign that I've ever done. That company literally flopped and it, they got into really terrible financial um, trouble. And we had to have a debrief after that event. And I had to kind of be, you know, explain my course of action and uh, I had to explain why that didn't work. And that was not only uncomfortable, but also just on a personal level, extremely heartbreaking <laughs> because yeah. you have to, um, you have to defend something that maybe originally um, wasn't, wasn't the right thing to do, but out of selfish reasons, you did it. And, but that taught me a very, very valuable lesson. And that is uh, numbers is one thing. Got is another. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you really have to feel good about yourself um, and about what you're doing for others. That's, yeah. that's kind of that's kind of the conclusion that I would like to, to, to uh, put, on that. put okay. out there. <laughs> yeah, well, isn't it funny how we learn so much more from our, our mistakes than we do our wins, which is, it's kind of, it's, it's another one of those universal ironies that where we tend to shy away from or feel shame because of, or hide or avoid talking about or thinking about the mistakes. And, um, that breaks also breaks my heart a little bit because it's when you dig into those mistakes and look for ways that, you know, I myself could have operated differently. Like that's where you really, really learn. And okay. So now final question, one piece of advice for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations. just lean in. I've always found myself to um, be uh, maybe not easy, but be okay with admitting that I've done something wrong. Um, so just basing everything you do in truth and not trying to, you know, scam people out of things and scam you anyone. It can be your employee, employer, it can be a client, um, it can be your peer, right? Don't uh, just be truthful. Yeah. Because as as we say it in Polish, uh, a lie has short legs, which <laughs> which may not mean anything to you right now, but when you think about it, uh, the lie catches up to you. That's kind of what it means. Or you catch up to the lie uh, yeah. because you can't run far from you. Yeah. And and yeah. So always stay true to yourself, uh, treat others the way you would like to be treated. I found, I found a lot of success in that. I don't like how uh, salespeople are perceived. You know, very often you will be called the, oh, the salesperson, right? I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, but really just, just be yourself, uh, be truthful and add value, add value, add value. Yay. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So good. So we're done here. I, uh, I'm excited about the episode. So like now that it's over now that the first one is done, like what, it, how do you feel? Was it as scary? Like what, 
Was it as comfortable? Like what, how do you feel right now? I mean, I think it was, I think it was okay. I, to be honest with you, I do get in my head a lot. So like mid-sentence, I think to myself, what the fuck am I saying? And it goes up. So, I mean, I hope you will be able to piece something out of it. I hope I didn't let you down. Uh, but if you, but if I did and you want to re-record it, just let me know. Please be, you know, please be completely transparent and honest with me. Um, I'm happy to make it the way you need it. I, it's so funny. The ones that I haven't posted are the ones where I've let myself down. The only, the person that has, you know, ruined or tanked more conversations, it's this girl, uh, number one and number two, <laughs> I'm proud of you right now. Like, and no, you did not let me down quite the opposite. There are a few things that we're going to chat about. Um, because I see, I see something in like the bigness of what's, what's in store for you. So anyway, we could talk about that offline. It's kind of plays into this whole idea of like production school, but anyway, I think you did fabulous and I'm excited to be able Thank to, you. um, you know, get this one out there and we'll do a fast turnaround time. And actually, let me stop the recording. Um, oh, also my listeners, our listeners, truth, love, and joy friends. Thank you for staying around for the remainder of the conversation. I am, I'm honored and thankful and I can't wait till, you know, we do it again next time. So truth, love, and joy friends and happy selling. Oh, and thank you, Anna, for coming on the show. Thank you. It's funny. The first one that I did was uh, July last year, so nine months ago, and it was with fucking Andy Paul, like the Andy Paul show. And I disclosed that I had never been interviewed, never been on a podcast, and like right before we were about to start. Um, so talk about a baptism by fire. But anyway, I remember what that feels like, and I remember all the things, and I just. Um, I can empathize, but at the same time, first of all, it's not the Andy Paul show. And like, you know, if we got 50 listeners, like that's a, <laughs> like, let's be serious about that. But also you're going to be fucking amazing. It's going to be amazing. And we're just having a conversation. It's not even like a fucking interview. I don't do interviews, but anyway, um, just let's just lean in. Don't you worry. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not Andy Paul with his like a million listeners.